Welcome to a peer review episode of the RxP Podcast. I'll be your host today, Alex, and for today's peer review, we'll be discussing Riot Games and Fortiche's production of the Netflix show, Arcane. And joining me to do so is my co-host and loving sister, Tiffany. I'm so excited to deep dive this show with you. I've been holding back. We've been talking a little bit back and forth. I finished the show ahead of you, and it really, really pained me that I couldn't just be like, yo, let's talk about it immediately after I watched it. Well, now here we are. Now, now's the time. So for listeners out there, this is the peer review of Arcane Season 1, and it will be spoiler-filled. So this is your warning now. If you haven't seen the first season of Arcane, Go watch it. It's on Netflix. All nine episodes are out as of this recording and come back afterwards and then give it a listen. You know, there'll be timestamps. Like I said, this is your warning after the words, potentially any spoilers that come out, you've been warned. So with that, we're now transitioning into our thoughts on the show. And so for this episode of Pure View, I want to keep it a little bit broad you know, less structured. It's just going to be our thoughts, what we liked, what we didn't like, and then maybe what we would like to see for the future. But So for the first phase, what we like and didn't like, I want to start off. So I, how I watched this, I waited, I watched the first episode when it premiered and I then waited for the re- the remainder of the episodes because what was interesting about this release on Netflix was they didn't release all the episodes at once for the season, but they did three sets of three. So they basically did an act one of episodes one through three, act two of episodes four through six, and then act three of episodes seven through nine. And I waited till all the remainder nine episodes were out. And then I actually watched episodes two through nine in two days. So it took me two days to get through all of it. I really enjoyed it. I thought watching it in this way was actually more beneficial to me because I was so intrigued by the story and where things were going that if I had to wait, you know, at the end of episode three, if I had to wait for episodes four through six, that would have been torture. And then if I had to wait at the end of episode six to watch seven through nine, that would have been torture. So for me, I had a great time. And overall, I really enjoyed the show. I think you know, despite this being based on League of Legends and more specifically the world of League of Legends, so what they call Terra, I think they did a very good job in making this accessible to people that have no connections to the show. I think, you know, from, from the get-go, I recommend as a, this is a watchable show regardless of whether or not you know League of Legends. And I guess to also preface this for you listeners out there, Tiffany and I have both played this, played League of Legends for over 10 years now. We both started back in season one. So we've been playing this game for over a decade. We have a lot of experience with the champions that have appeared in the show with the world of Runeterra itself. And so this is kind of us coming at it with this knowledge. You know, we're not just some new people just saying, oh yeah, Arcane was a great looking show. It was, I think it did a lot of good things that uh, it referenced from the games. And also I felt like there are some things they could improve on, but you know, maybe that's what a future season of of the show could look like. So, you know, I want to hand off, Tiffany, what did you like? Is Was there anything that stands out or maybe what you didn't like? You know, what is the most urgent feeling you have about Arcane? So when you said that you watched this show, like almost essentially binged it on your own time, 
I watch this show every freaking Saturday for three weeks, essentially. Like, I basically watched it the weekends they came out. And I was so, like, excited for when the weekend came that I could watch more. What's also kind of weird is that Netflix usually releases shows on Fridays. So the fact that this is on Saturday kind of threw me for a loop. Because, like, for me, I'm like, oh, it's Friday. I can go, you know, after work, I can watch my show. Or before work, I can watch it. And I had to wait. So that was kind of hard for me. I loved this show absolutely adored it uh you know in the last um you know Alex mentioned I've been playing this game for a long time honestly in the last five or six years I kind of really geared towards more of the all random all all mid mode so when I play League of Legends now I don't really play um fives mainly because there was a lot of things you know a lot of updates that happened and blah 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 but I I love a lot of these champions and uh, I like the the world of Runeterra. Never really got much into the lore. So seeing it played out on screen was beautiful. And so I am quite familiar with these champions in the show. However, you know, to me, their backstory was really in an open slate. You know what I mean? Like brand new things for me. I, you know, I knew Jinx and Vi were sisters. But like even then, that was kind of a barely what I knew when I play the game I play for the the moves and the combat of you know trying to destroy the towers anyway so my favorite thing about this show was the mixture of champions that we know and new characters I thought it really hit a sweet spot were there characters I was hoping to see yes did we see them no um but that's something I can talk about more later but I thought that even the foreshadowing was really great because I didn't know the backstory of a character um, named Warwick. I didn't realize that he may have been human and there are rumors going around that that actually Vander turned into Warwick through um, the Shimmer. And so I was like, ooh, that's intriguing. And then also, Alex, I need to ask you this question. So I ended up actually watching the first episode twice because I had another friend that was intrigued by the arcane. And so I, I watched the first episode with them. Did you anticipate Echo being the board, the the hoverboard leader? Oh, yes. The, the, okay. moment, the moment we saw him and the, the moment he said something, I knew that was Echo from the get go. Are you wait? Did you recognize his voice, or was it his tech that made you realize that it was Echo? Well, so I know they were using the hoverboards, and that's not something that Echo uses in League of Legends. So it, that's like completely separate to the like to game. the show. Yeah. But yeah. for me, it was the attitude and the voice that brought it away. Also, the fact that he appeared as a child, I think that was kind of the major transition that a lot of the characters that appeared early on the show continue to appear so i i also didn't think it would make sense for them to have echo in the first three episodes as a kid and for him to never appear again for the rest of the show so it was just a very obvious thing also the color scheme is very echo like that green is something that is also associated with echo's design so that was also another thing that kind of clued me in okay because like when i watch episodes four through I was like where's Echo like I literally I was like where's my cute little baby boy Echo which honestly listeners 
I don't play Echo and Lee because I think he's complicated and I just don't want to wrap my head around his gameplay style. But um, And I never really cared about Echo. That's another thing. This show made me care about champions that I never really cared about before. Um, so anyway, Alex, four through six, I was like, where's Echo at? And it wasn't until that I read some like blog post somewhere that's like, people are asking where Echo is he may have been here all along and like they're you know speculating that the hoverboard leader was echo or the firelight leader was echo alex in the first episode when echo is listening to um the enforcer leader and vander talk at the shop that echo works at you know what i'm talking about that shop and he was like listening to them and looking like through this contraption, like binocular periscope thing, Alex, the eye of the periscope was coming out of the mask that Echo was wearing as an adult. Wait, did you know that? Or so, you just like now that you say no- that, I remember it. But also, okay. I, I I just thought it was Echo because it just made sense, like story wise, and also okay. like, from things of the game where I'm like the voice fits, the colors fit, and also okay. it just didn't make sense that he wouldn't come back in some fashion. Okay, so but what I'm saying is that the foreshadowing was there in freaking episode one, and but I only noticed it. After I was rewatching that first episode, and also I had, clearly I'd seen episodes four through six before I saw episode one again, but stuff like that. And then when you pointed out to me that Clagger, one of the friends in the beginning, had Vi's goggles, like, come on, that's great. Right. So, storytelling. so yeah. So for listeners out there in the game, when Vi was originally released, she wears a pair of goggles that we then see in the show that we then find out were originally her friend's goggles who unfortunately perishes in episode three. So there was already kind of foreshadowing there where if you notice that and if you remember from her in-game art that you could tell the fate of that character and by happenstance probably the fate of the other character Milo that they would both not be surviving for long. Um, so that was kind of also nice to see. And I think this just goes to show that there are little things like, you know, us having played the game that we can clue in on. So things like Echo, probably the Firelight Leader being him and the fact that, you know, Clagor's demise being eventual uh, that we knew. But also, you know, it was also a very nice surprise for you uh, that don't know anything about Lee. And so obviously they do a pretty good job of like keeping those strands uh, moving forward throughout the story. Yeah, and then another like thing that I really liked as a nod to the game was when Vi interacts with Caitlyn and she calls Caitlyn Cupcake. Like, thanks, Cupcake, or whatever. And Caitlyn, one of Caitlyn's moves is a trap, almost like a bear trap that has a cupcake in it. And, like, I really like that. Like, I, because I got really excited when I heard that line. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's a nod to the game. And then, yeah. You know, other nods to the game, too, were the sound effects, right? Like, when in, I think it's in episode eight, or I guess it might be episode nine, when Vi and Jinx, or not Vi and Jinx, Vi and Jace are fighting in the Shimmer Factory. Uh, Those guardians that guard the factory is the item Turbo Chem Tank in the game. So 
that visual is already present from having played the game to say, oh, I recognize that. And now that contextualizes that item itself in that world. And then also when they're fighting, you know, when Vi's gauntlets charge up and then when Jace is wielding the Mercury Hammer, they use sound effects from the game. So the actual like charging noise of her fists like amping up and then Jace, you know, using shock blast, right, which is that orb, like the energy blast he's shooting. And then when he changes into hammer form and does even like the static shield to like defend himself. So there's a lot of cool references even to the game. And, you know, the very last scene, which I'll just reference now, right? Obviously, spoilers have already been warned. With Jinx firing the super mega death rocket at the counselor's uh, room at the top of the tower. Like, that was just a fun image of, you know, seeing the smile plastered on the rocket's face. And then the glass shattering and seeing, like, the smile kind of in all these just scattered pieces. Uh, that was such a great moment to say, hey, a lot of these things are from the game. They take a lot of inspiration. It all visually looks great. And so I'm definitely happy how much integration there is. And, you know, as I said before, you don't need to know it. This is just an extra plus for all the people that have played the game, but it's equally enjoyable, you know, if even if you haven't. So I want to ask, though, you know, we talked about a lot of things. And you specifically mentioned the great mix of both champions from the game that appeared and also non-champion characters that have appeared. So I want to ask, what's your favorite non-champion character and your favorite champion character that appeared in the show? Man, that's so hard because Caitlyn is literally one of my favorite champs in League of Legends. I love her aesthetic and I love playing her in the game. But I also love Heimerdinger. I loved Heimerdinger in this game. Mainly because I think I loved seeing a Yordle. Like in this. Like basically. Which by the way. Did they. I don't think they ever acknowledged he was specifically a Yordle. Right. They did not. Yeah. They never said the term Yordle. No. Which by the way. Was that weird like red light district lady was she a yordle i think she's a yordle because from what they generally followed in the past with the game the female yordles aren't hairy but then the male yordles are so i would assume that whoever that red red district or red light district short yordle is is a yordle yeah so i really think my favorite character like favorite league character was was um, Heimerdinger because I really like Yordles and I personally love Heimerdinger and I also love him as a mentor character and to be completely honest I didn't realize his relationships with some I mean granted obviously was may have been for the story right but like in lore I didn't realize that potentially Heimerdinger was related to Jace because I'm gonna be real with you I did not care about Jace in the game at all like, in League of Legends, I don't play Jace, and I was like, whatever, he's some dude with a hammer. This show made me a little bit more intrigued with him, um, interested in his backstory and everything, but my true love was Heimerdinger and Caitlyn. And non-League of Legends character... Or non-champion character. Oh, so right. Oh, well, yes, because they're all League of Legends characters. But I think... Man, okay, so if my answer is kind of hard, if Vander is not Warwick, is if Vander is him only himself, 
Vander's my favorite character. How strongly do you think he's actually Warwick? So, I mean, visually, there were leaks. So, in League, there's a skin for Warwick that's called Project Warwick, and he has an animation in the game that shows his human face. Obviously, what that model shows and what Vander looks like in the show probably is not at all related, but if they are, they're, I guess, kind of similar because they're both light-skinned male faces. So, if that's, like, the only... Well, and I think that... They also have facial hair. So if that's like the only connecting factor, it could be that Vander ends up, you know, his body ends up becoming the basis for what work is. Uh, but if not, I, I would say I would keep them separate because I think at the point work is, he's no longer who the human he once was. I think there probably is a distinction to be made that there is Vander's life. And even if Vander's body is the basis of what work is, that's not Vander anymore. So I would count Vander as a non-league champion. Okay, then I choose Vander as my favorite character just because of his, like, honor and, you know, fatherly trope in the show. I really cared about him. And, like, briefly going back to Heimerdinger, I'm a sucker for, like, you know, the wizened old, like, mage dude. Who, I mean, Heimer's not a mage. He's a scientist. But, like... I I really like I'm pretty like affin I have a good affinity for those types of characters so you know Gandalf Dumbledore love them yeah I think for me I really liked uh, Savarka I think they you know she's not a champion she's not in the game you can't play as her she's got a badass you know chemtech arm like gauntlet you know substitute surrogate and. The fact that she survives, I'm very happy. You know, at the end of episode nine, you know, there's specifically a scene where after she's fought Vi, she's like struggling in the last drop to like light a cigar and to like take a smoke. But I'm very happy that she's not dead because I think she's a character that really can keep going. Not to say as an antagonist, but definitely to continue to be this kind of source of you're not, you know, Vi, you're not the only like tough girl down here, like in, in the Undercity. Like, I'm here too. Like, don't, like, watch out. You know, you might have beaten me this time, but that's only because you had those gauntlets. Um, so I really enjoyed her. I thought, you know, even the moment when she's with Silco and Finn comes in with, I think, her, the other Ken Baron, who I forget that woman's name is, but uh, it made it seem like that Finn had convinced Savarka to turn on Silco, but Silco gives a speech to Finn saying, you know, I appreciate those with loyalty. And then, bam, Savarka goes, whips out the sword from her arm and just cuts Finn's throat, like, proving that she's Lord of the Sokolo and, like, that's an unwavering loyalty in spite of what Finn was trying to convince her to do. I really like that character about her. I think, as a character, she's so well done just by, like, you know, not to say she's one note, but everything she does makes sense, right? Like, she she's fighting to survive. She fights for who's strongest, like, fights for what she believes will get her ahead in life. And that's what the Undercity is about, right? Like the Undercity, as bad as it is, it's all about how do I live to wake up the next day? And so I really liked her design. And for champions, I, I think it's a very tough choice for me because there are a lot of champions that are obviously show, appearing in the show prior to them being how they appear in the game, which I think yeah. is one of the aspects I liked about the show. That, yes. you know, this isn't full-fledged the sheriff of Piltover Caitlin. This isn't 
the men of progress, you know, Jace. This isn't the Piltover Enforcer vibe. These are basically their origin stories leading up to who they are. They're, like, this isn't Jinx the loose cannon that she is in the game, right? Like, this is her route to becoming the loose cannon, right? A la shooting the super mega death rocket at the very end of the show, at least season one. And so, to that effect, and even though I might not agree with the character's development through the show, I think I really like Jinx the most. I Really? Yeah, I think it's that weird, not to say perverted nature of how she acts, but like, it, she's obviously a person that has gone through a lot. And even though she's, you know, maybe succumbing to her like inner demons and obviously all of the like, voices she hears in her head right and maybe the partial regret right like she makes the dummies of milo and Clagor. obviously probably there being some sort of regret they're having inadvertently caused their deaths at the end of episode three i just like how she wants to believe but she's still struggling and it comes to that point where at the end you know by her own hand she determines who she wants to be and even though it is Jinx and not Powder that who she decides to be, at least she's able to reach that conclusion for herself. And I think this is a very clear descent to madness for her. And I'm happy that she's able to make that choice. And it makes sense to me. I'm not like, you know, Vi, her sister that has been chasing her this whole time, you know, that inadvertently abandoned her, but that wanted her to come back to being Powder. You know, she obviously also wanted to be with her, but it just makes sense why she chose to be Jinx. Like, despite everything, obviously the mistaken relationship between Vi and Caitlyn, right? All of those scenes that she sees them and she's like, why are you with her? Like, what does this topsider mean to you? Like, I'm your sister. Why aren't you with me trying to help me out? And so despite Jinx just seemingly so over the edge i think it's still within the bounds of like who she actually is and i think a lot of it's justified so wow her like her insecurities was really off-putting to me like i i I mentioned on a previous uh podcast episode where you know i was uncomfortable watching the, the joker movie with joaquin phoenix and so honestly jinx her de- and her descent into madness really kind of reminded me of that. And it just made me sad for her. And also it made me angry when I'm just like, just communicate, like don't make assumptions, communicate. And maybe you'll figure out what you're feeling, your insecurities are feeling about her potentially leaving you and not caring about you to be false. Now I have a question for you, Alex was, was Jinx, was her eyes, pink before her accident or I don't know they aren't because I think if you look at her images especially when she's younger yeah they're a different color and so it is after she's been like juiced up with whatever singe gives her yeah is when her eyes change color so that's what I was curious about because I like when I I couldn't I honestly just couldn't remember what her eyes look like throughout the show but they made it a point when she in the last scene for her eyes to be like glowing pink. You know what I mean? And in the game are her eyes. Do you know, do you recall if her eyes are pink in the game? I don't know. I think in her, the splash art, they are pink. So I think okay. I would assume, yeah, in, in the in-game model, they're pink. So I guess this is that to explain it's why they're pink. Some, yeah. But, but as far as I know, 
there, at least in game, there's no connection to Shimmer or whatever Singe gave her. Right. So I don't know why. I guess this is just a, a reason to make her eyes pink. But she doesn't have like that superhuman strength or whatever that the shimmer that the gave other to character. other people. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's really interesting that you really like Jinx. So I have a question for you. Were there any champions that you were that you kind of turned around on, or like you were more like you wanted to know more about them from the show? Yeah, and I guess part of this leans into what. I didn't like about some aspects of the show, which I guess oh. you know, this is this is a free flowing episode, so like we're just getting intermingled thoughts here. Uh, with how much they showed of Singed, they showed some and a whole lot of nothing, and I think it's interesting because you know, as much as we play League, a lot of the story of these characters isn't conveyed in the game, right? The game is a MOBA, right? It's just a PvP five v five game, and so you're not necessarily getting hard hitting lore facts about why Singe carries a bottle of juice on his back. You know, we don't know right. why, right? Um, and so with this, they showed a lot of Singe, right? And obviously, Singe is tied to kind of Victor's development, especially as a child, and I guess Victor is also aspirations to be the scientist that he is but with how much they showed of him i feel like and maybe this is just a lead-up to a future season which i hope it is but they kind of make him seem more important right because he's obviously silko's like main scientist so he's the one like experimenting with shimmer like basically creating the concoction that allows shimmer to be used to you know amp up humans and like turn them into these like aggravated like beasts and they, but besides that, they really don't talk about him. And I feel like Singe does have an interesting story beyond, you know, being like, oh, the mutation must continue. Like, I don't, he's not just, well, I guess his title in the game is the Mad Chemist. So, yes, he is a Mad Chemist. But he's not just that. And I think there's more to him that I would like to know, but they just didn't show it. And I thought that was kind of a failing because they did a decent job in making me interested. They just didn't follow up on it. I thought it was actually interesting that he literally is singed. Like, oh, in the that later. his name is singed. Like, y- yes, no. So, in oh, that Act also, two, yeah. He his face. I was because okay when he when I saw Act One, I only knew he was singed because I watch ne- I watch streaming shows with subtitles on, and straight up they were like singed, like because singed name- colon. Yeah, like said his dialogue because if a character's off screen, they'll like identify which character that is. So I was like, "Oh, that's singed." And then later in Act Two and Three, we see that from the accident that Powder did, he burned half his face. And I and I was like, "Wow, I don't even think I realized in the game yeah, that his, his mouth is wrapped up." Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, that's why I didn't. Well, that's why I didn't realize that he had a, you know, burns on his face because he wore a bandana, or a face mask, or whatever. Um, so you say that you were disappointed in the lack of development of Singed in the show. I, on the other hand, became a huge sympathizer of Victor. Now in the League of Legends, I don't care about Victor. I've played him like two times in my life and it didn't jive with me. However, I'm not going to lie. 
this show made me not want like so next time I play all ARAM and I get a, I get randomly assigned Victor, I'm not swapping out of him. I'm going to play him. It's going to be a bad situation, but I'm going to test him out. His story was so compelling. So intrigued. He was Heimerdinger's assistant, then partnered with Jace, then tried to, you know, found out he was dying and wanted magic to save his life. Like I, I really, he wanted Hextech. Hextech. He wanted Hextex to save his life. And then the Alex, did you expect Sky to die? I don't. So that's like, an interesting thing. So in I that was moment, so shocked when the orb is turning into this weird, like mutated form. Yeah, I actually thought that was related to the void. Because okay. like the way it was like oozy and like kind of like a black glue, I'm like, is this like Hextech gone wrong and it's like gonna create a portal to the void or something? But yeah, I didn't expect Sky to die because also I and I guess this is another thing I didn't like. They really leave Victor's story on that cliffhanger. Yes. With that happening and him being partly infused like with the hacks the Hextech, right? Because his body's like turning colors. And in the game I know he's very obsessed with the glorious evolution. So like part of his story has always been improving life through like machinery slash magic, right? Hex tech. Yeah. And so that made sense to me. And I knew this would be the path he progresses down, but I ne- they, because I never read any of the color stories or the background stories that they publish, um, relate to the characters outside of the game. I didn't know about his like trials and tribulations. So it, it seems compelling that, Sky, who's someone I guess he at least respected, right? Because Sky was his assistant, mm-hmm. to having passed away in this incident, and that being his fault, I guess maybe that could be a further motivator to make him, you know, more uh, wanting to achieve his goal, right? So that Sky's inadvertent death isn't for naught. Uh, so I hope that maybe that plays into it. Otherwise, it seems just kind of a random moment of her passing away. Yeah, but. that was traumatizing. I mean, I was half terrified that like somehow he she'd get absorbed, like somehow right. he'd mutate with exactly. her. Exactly, like that. I don't know. Like whatever's going on with the hex core, like that is a very unknown thing that they just don't explain. And we're like, I guess season two, maybe. Yeah, I'm. I have to tell you though, I'm real glad they that I. So I found out that season two was confirmed before I finished Act Three, and I'm so glad that I knew that because honestly if when I if I hadn't known that and I finished act three I think I would have been pretty mad because it was a clear cliffhanger you know and I was like tell me more story like don't just leave me hanging I'm invested in these characters Alex like I need to know and like I'm also invested in their relationships so you talk about relationships you talk about investment one relationship that I don't think they invest a lot of time into is Silco and Powder. Okay, and that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. This is something I'm they really you. ramp up to be like, oh, Silco and Powder, or I guess at later when they're actually together, it's Silco and Jinx. They try to make a very heavy emphasis to be like they care for each other. But it, yes. it, it's never obvious why that comes to be. Because at I the end of episode that. three, when Silco finds Powder, and obviously he's kind of manipulating her to be like, your sister's gone. And then Silco lost his brother and Vander, you know, quote unquote brother in Vander. So his brother's gone. So this is kind of like two misfits coming together and joining up. That I understand that 
dynamic in the relationship to be like lost souls find one another and like forge a bond between each other. But it never was obvious to me why he over time thinks of her as a daughter. Uh, I guess maybe it's just like an adoptive daughter, obviously, but I, I just, I feel like they did a very poor job because I thought like individually Jinx and Silco are very interesting characters. Like I like them both, but I just didn't like how they tried to explain their relationship because it just, Right, a lot, they didn't show enough I, to make me believe it. I completely agree with you. Like, literally, all their development was off screen, and I don't, I did not appreciate that for this storytelling. You know, part of me wonders if, like, in Act Three, if we saw Silco have some compassion for like a little girl or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like a scene, like two scenes. Cause honestly in act one, he's a freaking monster. That little turd bucket that interrupted Vi's crew from getting all their goods from Piltover. Like Silco, like is like, you gotta, you know, you're you're the test subject for the shimmer injection. Yeah. And then he's like, you know do my dirty work go kill people you know what I mean so honestly seeing the end of act one and you see powder lunge into Silco's arms and then slowly Silco like rat like um, what's that word comfort accepts yeah comforts and accepts the embrace and even um contributes and like puts his armor i literally was like reciprocates reciprocate that's the word i needed alex that's the word reciprocates Reciprocating that hug literally to me came out of nowhere. Like for all I know, he hates children. You know, like up until that moment, he hates incompetent people. And clearly she was incompetent. Like that really threw me for a loop. So I I really agree with you there. Like I was not sold. And honestly, though, in act two, I was like, guess they're guess they love each other or something. You know what I mean? Like I just I just accepted it. Um. I'm actually really excited to see Heimerdinger and Echo, like, evolve, to be completely honest with you. Like, you know, Heimer has lost some students to other things, and then he finds another disciple. Like, I'm I'm very intrigued by that. All right. And then... I think this is a good turning point, then. So, okay. you know, kind of the second point uh, for this episode... And I guess the second point being in two sub points, uh, but, you know, leading off of Tiffany's comment right here, what do you want to see for the future? And I guess whether it's in season two in particular, you know, based on the teaser that we got, you know, there was obviously the arcane a exploding in the purple gas. So that might mean something as to what's happening, but not just with a season two, but for the future of arcane, like what do you particularly want to see happen? I'm not going to lie. I need to know if Mel and Jace are actually real as a couple. I'm very... Oh, you want closure there. I need closure. Does Mel- M- Madarda like him? Actually like him? Is she using him? She doesn't seem malicious in any way, but she almost seems regretful that she's pushed him into like an extreme. I'm really... I like need to know if she actually is in love with this, in love with Jace, okay? Because I'm not going to lie, I was very, in Act 1, I was very pro-Caitlin and Jace, even though 
all we got glimpse of was maybe a brother sister relationship but i was looking past that i was like no like wait no wait no and then um yeah so jace found himself a different lady and i need to know if this is true love um and do I talk about champions that I want to see in the future or are you? Oh, no, that, that's the second part of this. Okay, part. then I'm not going to talk about that. So this is just like, what do you want? I guess ans- questions answered or maybe places you want them to go. Like, do you want this to stay in the Piltovers on, uh, I guess, conflict? Or now that obviously with the introduction of Hextech and the Hextech gates that the Piltover uh, city provides and obviously you know, one of the major kind of loose threads in the story with uh, Mel's mother, who is a commander of Noxus coming to uh, Piltover in order to gain the Hextech uh, technology to then use in battle against a potential invader, right? Because she specifically mentions there's a man that kills Mel's brother slash her son and that the man is not satisfied by his death. And so obviously... Is do you want to see more of this internal Noxus conflict as well? So, is the Noxian woman someone important? That general, so, like, so Mel's she's not mother? a champion. Yeah, I, she's not. As cha- far, yeah, as far as what? I'm aware, I don't know what her actual role is. But do you think the son is a champ? Like, well, the son can't be champion, right? Because the son's dead. Yeah, so the son's not a champion. The man that kills her son could be a number of champions. So it like it easily could be someone that we would know and recognize. Okay. I'm going to be real with you. I don't know that I care about Noxus. Noxus. I don't actually, I'm literally, I'm struggling to even name the characters from Noxus or the champions from Noxus. Like Darius, Draven. Nope, don't care. No. Well, I like Pain. Nope. Uh, I think Scion technically is from nope, Noxus. Nope, he's ugly. Well, yeah, because he's he's like a man that died and then was brought back to life through like magic. Yeah, so like honestly, like I mean, Darius and Draven are interesting because they're brothers. That's literally the only interesting part, I think. And then Draven, I like playing Draven um, in the game, but yeah, I honestly Noxin Noxus can be whatever i'm interested i love the froyord and my personal favorite champion of all time is from a little place called ionia so listeners i love ari ari is my favorite league of legends champion i make it a personal mission to own all of her skins i and brian thanks you for that yeah i'm very mediocre at playing ari um, if I do say so myself, but I would love to see some Ionian champions. I also love karma. I, I love playing as karma. I'm not good as master. Well, not, no, I almost said master E, but like, I don't play master E like, yeah, I'm not good at him, but I also love Zion Rakan. So I love those two as characters also and would kind of like to know a little bit more about them. So I'm very interested in Ionia and Freyord. I love Ash. Ash was my very first champion love because she's one of the OG characters that you get when you first learn how to play the game. So like I learned how to, you know, Ash was my champion in the beginning where I like didn't have any champions and she's fun to play and 
relatively easy. Um, and I and think we have a beautiful. strong likelihood that Freljord makes an appearance because obviously Heimerdinger has that pet Poro that yeah, kind of wait, just is there. Are Poros only from the Freljord? I don't know if they're only from the Freljord, but there are many Poros that live in the Freljord. Right, okay. So I mean, but, I screamed so the when fact I saw that, that Poro. Yeah, the I fact screamed. that Heimerdinger has that Poro with the monocle... Uh, I think it's probably a strong likelihood we might get some sort of Freljord uh, interconnection into the story. But also at the same time, they are a disparate, you know, wintry land. So maybe if they decide to keep the stories in other locations like Piltoverns on, that that might not ever come to fruition. But I think there's something interesting with the fact that, you know, Mel's mother being from Noxus and that, that character appearing in the story means that whatever is happening in Noxus is a likely thread that we'll at least go there and see what's happening. And yeah, on the so flip are you side, interested in that? Yeah, on the flip side, there is a Noxus versus Demox or Demacia conflict that we know, right? These being the Noxus and Demacia are the two major city states in the world of Runeterra. So I could definitely see like us going to either one of those places, especially Noxus. I mean, when we see Mel's mother come in on the ship, right? And it's that classic, like, juggernaut, like, steel, you know, I guess Greek-inspired, just, like, heavy-duty ship. And you're like, Noxus is known for its military might. I'm like, there is more to Runeterra than the technology struggle that Piltover has. And I think the kind of regular raw nature of, like, here's the militaristic empire of Noxus, and here's, like, the anti-magic, uh, you know, domain of Demacia I think has interesting implications that could lead into this like Hextech storyline that's going on in Piltover and Zon. Oh my gosh, do you think a Demacian champion killed the Noxian? I'm not sure about that, but I mean, technically I think Jarvan is, there might be some storylines with Jarvan the fourth of Demacia that might be related. I don't know if he's like bloodthirsty like that, but it could be Jarvan that's the one that committed I mean, the crime. Listen, now or that I also murder? I looked up Demacian champions and I cannot I did not know that Sona was from Demacia. And Sona is like my second favorite champion of all time. Like, if I'm gonna be real, I'm darn good at playing Sona in League of Legends. If I, I'm gonna toot my own freaking horn. I love playing her as support, and if I could see Sona in Arcane, my life would be made. So now that we're, it seems we're full swing on this. What what champions do you want to see? What champions are you hoping actually appear in future seasons? Okay, of Arcane. So and I'm I guess di- in this case, maybe reel it in. You know, maybe yeah, some going, more. Yeah, I'm going to dial like, it back. I'm going to reasonable hopes. Yeah. Okay. I'm dialing it back. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to pull up the map of Runeterra and pick every single my favorite champion of a region. I'm going to dial it back. So in terms of Piltover and Zahn, honestly, I'm real interested in seeing Ezreal and Blitzcrank. You're you have no. I don't know what role Blitzcrank would have. You have no emotions on your face when I literally said those two. Yeah, I mean, Ezreal (laughs) is known as an explorer, so he kind of goes around the entire world of Runeterra. So I guess if there's something in in Piltover is on that he's interested in, he would be there. But Blitzcrank, like, he's... 
I don't know really his backstory, so I'm not super interested in like why he would appear. But I guess as like, I don't even is he? He's not Hextech, I think. Blitzcrank's just a machine. So when I like in preparing for this episode, when I was like double checking, um, like where some of these characters were from, like literally Ezreal is listed as a Piltover champion. So that's why I picked Ezreal, because. I'm very intrigued by him. Um, and then Blixcrank, I... Hold on. Let me double check because I swear... Well, I guess also are these characters you think would add to the story? I guess not just characters you would like to appear, but like knowing where the story might go, do you think like they would also be you know, fruitful? Okay. Yes, because Blitzcrank was created by Victor. Oh, okay. That's why I was like... I wanted to see... like. Is Victor, once Victor, like, I guess... Oh, fully evolves. Fully evolves or jazzes up his body. <laughs> D- like, how does Blit- Blitzcrank come about? I guess so, because in the game, we don't get a lot of Blitzcrank's personality. So it, no. it would be interesting to see if he has a mind or a personality to to see. Is he like a Baymax type character or something? Exactly. Right? Like yeah. I, that's why I'm interested. And then Ezreal, I just thought it would be interesting to see another young like young adventurer dude to, to be in the, almost like I feel like would Echo and him be friends? Like that's what maybe. I would want. They, they, like, they could have maybe like a rivalry or something where it's like Echo's stuck in Zon and then Ezreal's like I've been all over Runeterra. I can tell you tales of the Freljord or the Ixtil. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I thought that would be interesting for those okay. two. Yeah. I, I think for me, especially with how the story seems like you'll let, you know, for the sake of the argument that they're going to stick with the Piltover Zon conflict, because obviously that hasn't been resolved yet, especially with the super mega death rocket that, at the end of the last episode being fired upon the council. Um, if we're sticking to these places in particular, I'm super interested in seeing Singed in his full form. So like a more developed sense. Like I want to see Singed as the mad chemist. Like him, you know, juicing himself up, you know, juicing everybody up. Like I want him like fully unhinged Singed. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> okay. And obviously work right because i know at i think it was shown in the end of episode nine or kind of in the last few moments that there is something in the shadows that when we look at singe what looks to be something that looks like work is shown on screen so i think work is a high very high probability of making an appearance whether or not it's vander who knows but i think you know i would like to see him right because work is very tied to zon he's even got like the juice canisters like on his back so he's very much like a product of that world um and then on the flip side of that and related to them i want to see dr mundo you know that purple juice and the purple smoke especially that we see in the arcane teaser for season two screams mundo and you know mundo is not someone that was like his backstory isn't that he's an experimenter he's just a normal doctor but that he gets experimented on so I think there's maybe a likelihood that if we're talking about experimentations, we're going to see work. We're going to see Mundo. We'll probably see Urgot uh, and his shotgun knees. You know, no. I, like, I know he's very I ugly to look at, like but him. I want to see his shotgun knees. No. That'll look cool. 
And but most importantly, and this is my number one ass. So I like I don't care if any no one else appears. Like we could have the same exact champions, but I want to see Zach. Zach is literally his name is Zon Amorphous Combatant. Like he is built in Zon to fight against Piltover. So if we're talking about like creations, if Victor creates Blitzcrank for uh, the Piltover side, then uh, like I don't know who made Zack, but I want the Zon Amorphous Combatant to appear for the Zon side, and I want the Zack versus Blitzcrank battle. And also, you know, for the for you uh, for the non League of Legends players out there, Zack is basically Flubber. That that is the easiest way to describe him. He's just a green goo sentient. He's a green sentient goo. Yeah, Yeah, it almost sounds like, okay, I like briefly pulled up his biography and it doesn't really sound like he had any, it's like he's a product of a toxic spill. Like that's. Well, that's all over Zon. They got, they got toxicity all up in there. So, (laughs) you know, we could, we could just see some sludge fall on some goo and then boom, Zach is born. Let's go. Okay, I also had no idea that Zach was like his, the way his name is spelled. Yeah, Zon Amorphous Combatant. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I I remember in the teasers for him when they first were revealing him that that was the acronym that they had literally Z, like Zon Amorphous Combatant. And then there were like periods after it. And then that's what his name ended up being, just Zach. And I'm like, oh, I like that. Like, that's a fun little way to tease that. Because they had like little, they had like paper notes describing like this is what zach is got it got it so okay before you try to like end this whole discussion because honestly like i'm loving this i'm loving talking about it i'm loving just speculating for the future um there was another like kind of a maybe like a clue or foreshadowing moment that i wanted to ask your opinion on so i read this on reddit where someone had asked do you think that jinx Jinx's tattoos, her blue cloud tattoos, were based off the fact that Vi told her to set off the flare that created blue smoke. Wow. I feel like that's a stretch, but I could see that maybe being connected. Uh, I think there is something to, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I could see it, but I don't believe it off first time hearing it. Okay. I mean, there were people that were like, man, that does, you know, I could, some people were like, man, I could see them reverse engineering that like deciding that. Yeah. It it could be like 2020 hindsight to be like, let's add more meaning to this than there originally was. I yeah. I mean, from a design perspective, I really like it. You know, it's kind of cool. Like she has those tattoos on the right side of her body. Yeah. So I like that. But I mean, uh, honestly, yeah, sure. there's so much to dissect from this, right? Like whether it was intentional or, or just right. foreshadowing. And you know, a lot of this, as much as we mentioned before, a lot that league does do in the games, they don't do. And I think that's like products like arcane are the things that they're trying to fill in the gaps or what they haven't been able to do with the game itself. And so I'm really appreciative of it. And it seems like Tiffany is too. So now we're coming down to as we, how we end every episode of peer review, Tiffany, 
Do you recommend this experience? Hundo P. I recommend this experience. I don't even care. You don't have to have played League of Legends. I've literally told people that haven't played League of Legends, watch it. And then they told me, one of them told me that they had a traumatic experience way back when dealing with that game or people playing, dealing with people who played that game. And I literally was like, get over it and get on board. Okay. (laughs) This is a fantastic show. You know, each episode is around 40 minutes. There's nine episodes. They really feel like three movies to me. Like you may, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned that it kind of feels like one movie and then one like really long movie. Um, with act two and three combined, watching them together would probably be more, um, a di- more, I didn't want to say digestible story thing, but like it more satisfying to get all that story at once. Um, but I think this show is great. I think you get great character development, even if you know them or don't know them. And I think league players and non-league players can find enjoyment in this show. And you know, listeners, I'm right there with Tiffany. I, my final recommendation, I recommend this to any viewer that likes animated shows. And right, that I'd say that's the caveat. That's true. Obviously, this is a very kind of boutique product. You know, this is Riot Games partnering with Fortiche. Fortiche doing the animation for this show, and it has a very interesting animated art style. But you know. That being the crux of it, it is animated. So if animation such animated movies or shows isn't your thing, then I don't think this is something that will convince you otherwise. Like as great as the show does look, you know, the special effects, uh, the sound, the music that they do. I don't think it's something that's like this is the best in the biz, you know, for animation. But, you know, if that's not a concern to you, I 100% recommend it. And also, as Tiffany said, you don't need to. And most importantly, you don't need to know the game. I think, if anything, this can give you enough context to understand why other people might enjoy the game, you know, such as Tiffany and I, and why we're even doing a pure review about the show in the first place. And so with that, that brings us to the end of this peer review. And until next time, take care.